welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. We're going to start a new series this morning and it's called I Am. Now when you hear those words, I don't know if you're anything like me, one of the first things you think of is the way that God described himself and gave himself the name, the I Am. We read that, that passage, that, that story in uh, Exodus when Moses and the burning bush and Moses said, you know, tell me your name and God said, I am who I am. Uh, and in the Gospels, we read that Jesus used that term to describe himself, the great I am, the one who is and was and will be forever and uh, caused a bit of a stir, didn't it? But I'm not using that phrase, I am, in that context this morning of describing God. I'm using it in the sense of looking at who we are. Every single one of us was created to be a son or a daughter of God. Every single one of us was created to be part of God's family and to, to take this kind of journey of discovery of who God is and also... Uh, I guess as we discover who God is, we also discover something about who we are. We discover our identity by discovering who God is and and, and by by virtue. I I think that's one of the the things that we often see in related in the world around us, isn't it? We see similarities between family members, don't you? You see the the sons look like the fathers or the mothers uh, if whatever however the genetics works out but there's kind of this this resemblance and often understanding some of our back some uh, you know somebody's background or experience that they've been through or you know where they've lived or what their family life was growing up helps them to understand a little bit about who they are now doesn't it and so part of discovering who we are and our identity is about discovering who God is. And so uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some statements that talk about who God is and how that is reflected in us understanding who we are. To, I guess, as we discover what God says about us and about our identity and who we are, how we then step into what that means for us. Because our identity has implications about what we're here for, doesn't it? about our purpose and as we discover that we begin to have clues into discovering the journey that God wants us to to go on in this kind of adventure of life that God has in store for you. Have you ever experienced in your life a or have you ever been around a couple of people who are so in love that it's kind of gross (laughs) have you ever been around people that it's just like they just kind of make everybody else around them just that little bit uncomfortable it's like too many like PDAs public displays of affection or you kind of get the sense that as far as they're concerned like nobody else exists I I don't know if you've ever I I was thinking about this and I I thought of uh, whoever, who likes to read comics, who reads the comics in the newspaper, the funnies, if you still read the newspaper, who has ever read the funnies in the newspaper back in the day, whoever read Zitz, nobody knows Zitz, 
No. Oh, if you're a parent of teenagers, you have to read the Zitz comic. It, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff about parents and teenagers. Then they have a, uh, so, so it's really about kind of teenage life and, and culture. It might be getting a little bit dated these days, but it made me think of a, a, a character or a couple of characters called Rich and Amy. And it was kind of like, it wasn't two names, it was kind of like all squashed together as one. So I've got a little, you can see here, this, Rich and Amy were that couple in, in this comic. So you can see there's like this, he's got a sneeze and he blows his nose and he's like, you know, she's like, oh, did you miss me? And the best thing about going away is coming back. But it's, it's that whole kind of thing, it's like they can't, it was, it, that was the, the kind of the, the joke with this couple was that they were that couple that couldn't bear to be separated. They were always in each other's arms and, and that kind of thing. And it just made me kind of think a little bit about that. It's interesting because things get a lot more serious as much as sometimes these uh, teenage couples or young couples or young in love couples can be a little bit like that, when you start talking about marriage, things get a little bit more serious and, uh, and, and it kind of changes the tone of the conversation. It kind of goes from this surface level romance to this lifelong commitment. And, and, and what we see, and it's really interesting because in the Bible, we read a lot of language that reflects this kind of uh, a marriage, a lifelong commitment between two people. But we read that same language that God talks about having that kind of relationship with His people. We read it right from the Old Testament, right through to the New Testament, as you begin to explore the language that God uses between Him and His people, there's this, this language of uh, intimacy, there's this language of connection, there's this language of being set apart, this language of I will be your God and you will be my people, of belonging to one another, of exclusivity. We read God saying, I'm a jealous God. You'll not worship any other gods because you're mine and I'm yours. There's this exclusivity and it's like, it's, it's a little bit like that, it's like what, it, what it's meant to be between us and God is that that, that the outside world almost doesn't exist because our eyes are so fixed on Jesus. Did you know that you are called to be set apart? You are called to be set apart in that, in that same kind of way. In the same kind of way that uh, a, a wife is set apart for a husband and a husband is set apart for his wife, you are called to be set apart for God. That's what Scripture refers to. It uses this word holiness. Now, sometimes when we hear the word holy, we think of being morally perfect or good all the time or, you know, makes all the right choices and never, never sins. It's kind of like we equate uh, holiness with perfection, but holiness is really a word that means to be set apart. Let's look at this verse in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Now, if we interpreted holy as meaning perfect and without sin, then it's unfair of 
God to expect that of us, isn't it? It's unfair of Peter to expect that of us or of the people that he was writing to, to say, oh, you've got to be perfect. But, but what, is he, what is he saying? He's saying you are set apart. He's saying that holiness is not a human accomplishment but a divine calling. Now, yes, it means that there are some things that we need to separate ourselves from though, doesn't it? means that there are some things that are kind of of the world. And he says, you know, this is, don't, don't go back to that old way of living. You've been called to, out of that. You've been called to be set apart from the values of the way that the, the world does things. You've called to be set apart. But we are empowered to be holy because God who created us is holy. Holiness is about the God who sets us apart not us trying really, really hard to be good. Did you get that? Holiness is about God choosing to call us out and set us apart, not about us trying to be really... If it was about us trying to be perfect, if it was about us trying to be really, really good, then that would be a completely different message to the message of the gospel, wouldn't it? The message of the gospel is you can never ever be really, really good enough so you needed a saviour. The message of the gospel is because you couldn't meet the demands of the law, God came to meet them for you in the person of Jesus. So when we read this, when we read Peter writing, be holy, uh, when we read, or he's it's actually quoting from, from Old Testament scripture, he says, you must be holy because I am holy. This is kind of this thing when, when God says that, he's not saying you have to be really, really, really good. He's saying, be set apart the way that I've called you to be set apart. Come and be set apart for me. Genesis chapter 1, we read right at the very beginning that God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. We remember, we, we kind of understand and we talk about that sometimes, don't we? Yes, we're, we're made in God's image. Sometimes I think we, there are aspects of what that means for us that we don't always explore or, or dig into fully, isn't there? One of the things that as we discover more about God, we discover more about who we are and if God is holy, then we were created to be holy too. God is holy, then we were created to be holy too because we were created in His image. Our holiness springs not from our actions but from our identity. Our identity as who God created us to be from the very beginning. And Paul understood this. When Paul, Paul wrote lots of letters in the New Testament and he wrote lots of letters to different churches and often uh, those letters were kind of full of uh, correction or teaching or instruction about practical stuff, about spiritual stuff. But Paul always kind of began his letters with introductions. I'm going to show you a couple of introductions here. Uh, ways that he introduced or, or started out his letters by talking about our identity in Christ. Our identity always comes before our, our actions, always comes before our behaviour, doesn't it? So in Romans 1, he starts, he says, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His own 
holy people. In Ephesians 1 verse 1, he says, this, this is the introduction, he says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Now, just in case you're tempted to think that he was only writing to a very, very small number of people that were very, very well behaved, he he qualifies it. He says that it's the faithful followers of Jesus Christ that he's referring to when he says the holy people, isn't it? Uh, And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 2, I'll just give you just a few there, there are others, but he says we're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, it's interesting to note that when he wrote this letter uh, to the Colossians that he'd never actually visited the city. He'd never been there. That Most of the people that were part of the church he'd never even met. So he obviously wasn't talking about how good their behaviour was or how perfect they were when he addresses them as God's holy people. It's because... They're in Christ because they are sons and daughters. It's because of their identity as followers of Jesus and as God's family that he calls them holy people. And if, that's, if, if you're in that boat today, then you are a holy person. Do you ever think of yourself in those terms? We don't usually, do we? We're far too aware of our own flaws and we're far too, you know, when we talk about a a holy person, they're someone who's, you know, like up there way beyond what we could ever hope to achieve, isn't it? But that's not what Paul teaches, it's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that you are holy. That you are holy because you have been set apart. You are holy because you have been chosen by a holy God. You are holy because you were created in the image of a holy God. You were created to be holy and when you were restored out of your, uh, free, set free from your sinful nature, when you uh, accepted uh, Jesus Christ as your saviour, you were restored into that status of being holy. You were transformed into a new creation and you were made righteous before God. And it's even more interesting that when Paul writes these letters to, to these churches and he calls them holy people, in a lot of these cases he was talking about Gentiles. He was talking about outsiders, people that were considered anything but holy. You know, Paul was, was raised and brought up as a Pharisee. And there was, you know, as far as the, the Pharisees taught him were concerned, he would have been brought up his whole life thinking that Gentiles were always going to be a second class of citizen. They were always going to be far away from God. They were always going to be unholy. Uh, and so for Paul to kind of write this and say these things about, you know, non-Jewish believers just kind of, I think, goes to show the depth of the transformation in his thinking about what it is that makes us God's people, about what it is that makes us holy. 
The Pharisees were all about trying to achieve holiness by keeping the law. Every minute detail. They even tithed on the herbs in their garden, didn't they? Some of us, that would be very easy. <laughs> Some of you, more challenging. Um, you know, 10% of nothing is still nothing. So, you know. <laughs> So there's some, got to be some advantages to not being able to grow anything, isn't there? But Paul makes this point, he says that we are holy because we belong to God. We are holy because we are His, for His purposes, for His plans. And we've been set apart and called and chosen for the things that God had in store for us. It's our relationship to God through Christ that makes us holy. How do we apply this in our lives? I want to read a passage of Scripture. Some of you might know this one. You might have read this before. It's from Isaiah chapter 6. And it's this, uh, this vision that Isaiah has. But let, let's read it. It's a really interesting vision. He's, he writes this. He says, It was in the year King Uzziah died... That I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet and with two they flew. You always thought angels had two wings, didn't you? Yeah, not these ones. So uh, they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Wouldn't that be a scary kind of thing to be experiencing that sort of, that vision of heaven? How loud does something have to be to shake the foundations of heaven's throne room? Do you ever stop and think about, like, the, this is not just like singing a lovely worship song, is it? This is like, this is powerful stuff and scary stuff. And we see that in Isaiah's reaction, don't we? He says, uh, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. That's it. That's the end of me. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us and I said here I am send me when Isaiah had this encounter with God it changed something about his view of himself didn't it he suddenly became aware of how unclean and imperfect he was didn't he and that's the, that's the thing sometimes, isn't it? It's like you, sometimes you don't realise how unclean something is until you hold it up next to something that is pure. You know, I don't know if you've ever done that kind of, you know, 
a, a piece of paper and you hold it up next to a that, that's kind of a little bit off-white and you hold it up next to something that's white or you got a like a cream colored wall and you, you always thought it looked white and then you hold up a you know clean white sheet of paper next to it and suddenly you realize that it's not actually that white but it changed Isaiah's view of himself and, and but, it, but it also awakened him to something of his identity and his purpose Isaiah realises in this moment that he is not only set apart from certain things, but he is also set apart for certain things. And, and being set apart is not just about what we're taken out of, is it? It's not just about the things... Uh, f- following Jesus is not just about the things that we're supposed to not do. You ever hear that from people... Oh, being Christians all about, you know, church is all about rules and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do anything fun and you can't drink and you can't smoke and blah, 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 blah and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and like, yes, while there's some aspects of, of truth in that, that we are set apart from some of those things that, you know, are the world's values, there's also a sense in which we are set apart for God. And we are set apart for the things that he has called us to do. In the same way that um, when I stood here um, many years ago, 22 and a half years ago, and I made certain vows to my wife, well, she wasn't, you know, when she became my wife, and, and I made those vows to be set apart for her forever. I wasn't just saying I'm never going to be with another woman, but I was saying I'm going to be with you. And it wasn't just being, you know, giving up all of those other potential relationships that might have been or could have been or whatever, but it was saying I choose this and I choose to give myself to this person forsaking all others. And it's a little bit like that uh, holiness isn't just about trying to get rid of the bad stuff, but it's about going, God, what is the good stuff that you have called me to? What are the purposes that you have called me to? Uh, I know there's a passage of Scripture, I didn't look this one up, but it, it's where it talks about there, you know, the, um, the utensils that are set aside, the gold and silver utensils that are set aside for special purposes. And I think it's referring to in the temple and then there's kind of like the ordinary everyday things which are just for you know whatever it's almost like the you've got the who, who's got a set of you know good plates and dishes and cutlery and stuff that you only get out when the guests come over yeah a few of you do <laughs> well there was always there was always one of those in my house it was the noritake you know it was the the one that my parents had got as a as a wedding present and it only ever came out at christmas and on very very special occasions Uh, And it's a little bit like this where, you know, God has chosen you. He has decreed that you are holy, that you are for special purpose. And if we keep ourselves for those purposes of God, then we we separate ourselves from just the the mundane kind of stuff. I don't know, because once you start using that good crockery and just, you know, for every day then it ceases to have its kind of uh, special qualities, doesn't it? They start to get 
chipped and they start to get faded and then they, don't, they sort of they don't have the same sort of value anymore. And it's, it's a little bit like that. It's not just, we're not just keeping ourselves away so that we keep out of the, 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 the stuff of the world, but we are set aside for the things that God has, has prepared for us to do, for good and for purposeful things. I, I remember as a child, um, there were a lot of things that I felt like I lacked. And uh, so most of you would know that I grew up, my parents were pastoring a church um, and Dad was uh, very much a kind of a pioneer, church planter, builder kind of church pastor, church leader. And, uh, and as you can imagine, like when, when, as soon as like a, a church kind of got up to a certain size, he'd be like, right, I'm off to go plant a church somewhere else. And we'd be starting again with 10 people or 15 people or 20 people or, or something. And, and that meant that there was a lot of, that, that it wasn't, we didn't have a huge income in our home. And as a kid, there was a lot of things that, that I valued then that I didn't have. I looked at the things that my friends and the kids around me had, you know, the cool skateboard or, you know, whatever it might have been. And I focused on those things. But there were things that, were, um, you know, I had, but I didn't value them all that highly. There were things that I didn't value, like having dinner on the table every night. You know, things that you take for granted. Having a clean and safe home to live in. Having parents who loved each other and were committed to Jesus. I wasn't really valuing those things all that highly at that stage of my life. I wanted, and so I kind of, you know, in my child brain, I decided that when I grew up, I was not going to do what my parents did. And I was going to pursue a career where I could earn plenty of money and have a life of comfort and have all the things that I felt like I deserved but had missed out on um, when I was a child. So you can all imagine how well that turned out. But, <laughs> but that was my plan. Uh, but there came a point, not really too far into, I think probably my teenage years, when somebody spoke a, a word of prophecy over me that talked about a calling to ministry and to serving God. And I think that that was probably something that, like I, I, I look back on that now and I know that that was something that God had called me to before I was born. You know, that, that was something that God had in mind for me from, from the, the very beginning of creation. But for me at that time, it, it planted a seed in my heart that would take a long time to, to come to fruition, but it never really went away. And I did a bunch of other things, pursued a, a range of different things, but there was always something in my heart from that moment that knew that I was set apart for this particular kind of ministry that God had called me and chosen me to pursue him and to help others uh, I guess to, to, to do this in his kingdom I wonder what 
that is for you. I wonder what that, that calling is for you. I wonder what it is that God has chosen you and set you apart for. I'm going to close in a minute, but I want to just take a moment here while we're here and while we're thinking about this. And I want to reflect and I give you an opportunity to maybe talk to God about this for just a moment. Maybe ask Him to begin maybe showing you some things. Maybe you've got it, maybe you know exactly what it is that God has set you apart for. Maybe you know exactly what your gifts are. Maybe you know exactly what you're meant to be doing. Maybe not. Maybe there are some things that you're still a little unsure of. Maybe you still feel like, it's not, not that you have a terrible life or that you're unhappy or dissatisfied, but maybe there's a sense in which you go, God, is there something more that you've called me to that I've not done yet? And it's not necessarily just the kind of thing that's sort of like, you know, you, you were born to do it and you, you do it your whole life and, and then you kind of die and go to be with Jesus. But, you know, maybe it's the kind of thing that uh, is for a later season in life. That's because you haven't done it now. It doesn't mean you've been disobedient to God for the last however many years. Maybe there are different things in this next season or this next stage for you. Living in holiness, being holy like um, Peter talked about in that scripture that we read right in the beginning when he says, you know, God says, be holy because I'm holy. Holiness means living in the plan that God has called you to. Holiness means choosing to allow God to show us the things that we were set apart for and doing those things. Why don't you just close your eyes with me as we're just reflecting and waiting on the Lord in this moment. Just as we're here, just as as God's here and, and God's speaking and directing us this morning. Let's put aside the thoughts of what's for lunch or what am I doing this afternoon or what's happening this week or what have I got on my schedule. Put aside those thoughts just for a moment. And just focus on Jesus. Focus on His goodness. Focus on His majesty. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I'd I want to encourage you to to ask God about those things. Say, God, what is it that you've set me apart for? What is it that you've called me to do? might be something that you need some time listening to God and drawing near to God in order to hear 
him speaking this. And I encourage you to take the time that you need to set aside time to make time in your, your week this week to, just as we're doing now, just to focus in on him, to listen for his voice and to keep asking this question. God, what do you want for me? God, I want to be holy, uh, to be set apart the way that you ask me to. God, I want that. I want to follow you. I want to be committed to you and to no other. Set apart for you and you alone. Father, would you show us what that means? Would you show me what that means? Would you show me what it means to be set apart for you today? Would you show me what it means to be set apart for you this week, this month, this year, this, this next season of my life? God, would you lead and guide me? Would you help me to be obedient? Would you help me to be all in, committed, 100%? to you and to the things for which you've set me apart. God, if there are things too that this morning that are encroaching on us from the world, that are things of the world that we are struggling to let go of, God, would you also help us to let go of those things? We thank you that you broke the power of those things to be able to hold on to us. And that with your strength and with your help, we can move away from those things. That we can love the things you love and hate the things you hate. God, we want to follow you. We want to be holy because you are holy. Father, we thank you that you called us to be your sons and daughters. That we are holy not because of our actions, but because you chose us and you called us to be part of your family. You restored us and you, you made us right with you again. The way that you created us to be righteous and holy for you to be yours, to be your people, that you would be our God. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that all of this was accomplished through the cross, that you made a way you drew us back 
redeemed us. He paid the price for us. You set us right. Father, help us to follow you with all our heart. All our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.